Season 1, Episode 6. This is Black History Moments, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of those who have been forgotten or who are lesser known in our history. But this episode is a little bit different. Instead of learning about a specific person, this is the story of Juneteenth, formerly known as Jubilee Day. Former enslaved people and their descendants began celebrating June 19th as the day signifying their emancipation or freedom after the Civil War. But did you know that although Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, he didn't really want to free enslaved people? Keep listening to find out the story of Juneteenth right after this break. So to start, I do understand that I am a bit late to the party when it comes to Juneteenth. My plan was to have this episode up on Juneteenth, but life happens. So here we are. I figure that it's better to still do the podcast episode on it because it is extremely important for us to understand the importance of Juneteenth and why it is so important to the African-American and Black community here in the United States. But to understand how Juneteenth came to be, we must first have just a quick little review of the Civil War. Don't worry, I promise I will try my best not to bore you with it like your middle school history teachers. It'll be quick. So the Civil War began in 1861 between northern and southern states in the United States. But before the war began, tensions were peaking in the U.S. between the north and the south. In the North, there was a growing concern and opposition to slavery, but Southerners felt otherwise. In the South, their economy depended on enslaved people to harvest their crops, especially tobacco and cotton. So they felt that their livelihoods were at risk with this new opposition to slavery coming from people in the North. Boom. So when Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860, Seven of the southern states withdrew and formed what was called at the time the Confederate States of America. Those states included South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Texas. Texas is extremely important to remember in this podcast episode, so keep Texas in mind. These states withdrew from the U.S. because they felt that Lincoln's new presidency was just like it was the last straw in these tensions that had already been building amongst them. And they were already high due to the North and the South's differing views on slavery. So later on, four more states joined the Confederacy and those states were Virginia, Arkansas, North Carolina and Tennessee. And so the war began and that war is known as the deadliest war ever fought on American soil. So there is our recap of the Civil War. I promised you it wouldn't be long. So on September 22nd, 1862, Lincoln issued what was a preliminary emancipation proclamation. And this determined that on January 1st of the following year, 1863, all enslaved people in the states that had rebelled would then be free. However, this only applied to those 11 states. The Emancipation Proclamation only applied to the states of the Confederacy. But what people don't know, a lot of people don't know, is that there were border states that remained a part of the Union who didn't split off with the Confederacy and join forces with them. And some of those border states that were still a part of the Union also still had people that were enslaved as well. So those people 
were not a part of the individuals being addressed in the Emancipation Proclamation. And although the general belief is that Abraham Lincoln was against the concept of slavery and therefore a supporter of black people, that isn't exactly true. In a speech Lincoln gave in Charleston, Illinois on September 1858, he said, quote, while I was at the hotel today, an elderly gentleman called upon me to know whether I was really in favor of producing a perfect equality between the Negroes and white people. While I had not proposed to myself on this occasion to say much on that subject, yet as the question was asked me, I thought I will occupy perhaps five minutes in saying something in regard to it. I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the black and white races. That I am not nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes nor of qualifying them hold office nor to intermarry with white people and I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between the white and black races which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality and inasmuch as they cannot so live while they do remain together there must be the position of superior and inferior and I as much as any other of her man am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race, end quote. And that is from Abraham Lincoln's mouth, September 18th, 1858, in a speech he gave in Illinois. So a common misconception, and I will admit that even when I was in school, when we were taught about the Emancipation Proclamation, I mean, thankfully, I did have a breakthrough around middle school where I was told the truth about Lincoln's views um, in regards to black and white race relations in America. Um, early on, a lot of children are taught in school that Abraham Lincoln was our savior. He was someone who gave us freedom. He was someone who believed in us and just wanted to set all enslaved people free. But this was not the case. Abraham Lincoln did not feel like we were equal. He did not feel like we would ever be equal and that we were not even um, deserving enough to hold office or vote or be jurors here in the United States. So here is the real deal when it came to Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation was a direct result of the backlash of the Confederate States. Because the Confederate States did not want to get rid of slavery and they did not want to set their um, enslaved people free, Abraham Lincoln felt like the Emancipation Proclamation was a direct hit to them for rebelling against the Union. And that is the truth about the Emancipation Proclamation. So during this time, all of this is happening, you know, and you have the Civil War going on and the root of the Civil War was this. It was slavery. It was about money. It was about their livelihoods. And they knew that if they had to let enslaved people go, it was going to hinder their pockets, their farms, their tobacco fields, and their cotton fields. That's it. So you may be wondering if the Emancipation Proclamation was to take place January 1st of 1863, 
what is the importance of Juneteenth? Why do we celebrate Juneteenth as our freedom? Well, although the Emancipation Proclamation was to take place and go into effect January 1st, 1863, it wasn't until 1865, and April is actually April 9th, 1865, when General Lee surrendered in the Civil War. He surrendered and gave up in Virginia. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation had gone into effect for some enslaved people, but during this time, a lot of slave owners, people who owned slaves in the South, in those states that were belonging to the Confederacy now, moved they moved their families, they moved the people that they owned to Texas because they felt that there weren't as many Union troops in Texas as there had been in the other states of the Confederacy. So they just packed up and moved to Texas and there were so many enslaved people there. It was crazy. So after General Lee gave up 1865, keep in mind, this is two whole years after enslaved people were technically set free, right? They're free to go. But keep in mind, this is the 1800s. People don't have cell phones. They don't have email. They don't have kite to send a note. You know, there's no form of communication that these enslaved people had to be able to communicate with one another and say, hey, we're free. You are free to go. You can leave. You are no longer under the control of your masters or your owners or anything like that. You are now freed people. We didn't have that back then. So two whole years later, here we go. We come in and there is a general that comes in and he holds this huge meeting, I guess you can call it, in the center, right? And he issues general order number three. And this is what he said in this order. He says, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. So basically, he was saying that the relationship that you have with one another is no longer owner and property. The relationship now legally is employer and employed. So you have to pay them. They are no longer your property. You don't own them. You have to pay them. And the reactions were insane. You had, you know, from one spectrum to another, you had some people that were enslaved that went and left immediately. They didn't even wait for him to finish reading the order. They just packed up and left. They didn't even grab anything. They actually didn't pack anything. They just left. And a lot of people spread out and tried to go to the other states to try to find their families, to try to find their friends, to try to find new homes and new work and get out of the environments that they were in. But it wasn't all good. Of course, there was a woman, her name was Katie Darling. She was enslaved until six years after this order was read and she said that that order changed nothing for her life she was still beat and treated you know horribly just as if the order was never written and you know she was always a slave up until the day she died and there's actually a quote too from a former slave named Susan Merritt and she said quote 
You could see lots of N-words hanging to trees in Sabine Bottom right after freedom because they caught them swimming across the Sabine River and they shot them. So this was not just, you know, some miraculous miracle for a lot of enslaved people. A lot of people were killed by trying to leave because there was no reinforcement to protect them after the Union soldiers left and went back home. So some of them stayed on the plantations because they had no choice. Some of them were killed when they were trying to leave. And then they found out later, you know, you go from one system of oppression to the next system of oppression. And they felt that this was finally their chance to be equal, to have a life, to be happy and to be free. But they found out soon after because... Of course, we went from one system to another. So we left um, slavery and went right into Jim Crow, the Jim Crow era, the Jim Crow South and segregation. So moving on to Juneteenth, this is why we celebrate Juneteenth instead of, you know, our freedom January 1st from 1863, because June 19th of 1865 was when the last of us found out that we were finally free. So if we can't count, you know, all of us, we have to count the day that the last of us found out. So that is why we celebrate June 19th. And they will start celebrating that beginning the next year. And black people would dress up in their best clothes, their best church clothes, their best Sunday clothes. And they would gather around these rivers because they couldn't gather in public spaces. They weren't allowed to gather in public spaces. So they would gather at these rivers and they would share stories and they would pray together and they would eat and they would have these feasts of food that everyone would bring and just really build a community amongst one another. I can just only imagine how beautiful it was at that time. Um, they would share clothes. They would throw their raggedy clothes away, the ones that had tears in them and rips and splits in them. And they would actually put on the clothes that they had gotten from their masters from previous plantations. And they would sing and they would dance. And I just love the idea of it. And I can only imagine how happy they were. And remember at this time, it was still called Jubilee Day. So celebrating their freedom and their just progression. But Juneteenth and Jubilee Day did start to decline in the early 1900s because it wasn't being taught in schools. Black kids were not being informed about what Juneteenth actually meant. And then on top of that, remember, we went from one system of oppression to the next. So they didn't even have much time to be able to celebrate that freedom before the Jim Crow era kicked in. And then it was kind of like, okay, what do we even have to celebrate anymore? Yes, we are off the plantations, but now we have to sit on the back of buses. We aren't welcome in certain spaces. We have separate bathrooms, separate schools, separate everything. And so what is there to celebrate now? But now, you know, the years have progressed and now I was extremely proud and happy to see the 
awakening that the black community has had in regards to Juneteenth this year. It was beautiful to see. Personally, I had never celebrated Juneteenth in my household because honestly, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. I had no idea what Juneteenth was until I did the research and the reading and watched all the videos that I could watch about what Juneteenth was. It's not something that we teach our kids in schools, but we really should. We really should because although we celebrate July 4th as Independence Day, all of us weren't free. Black people were not free on July 4th. So June 19th is our Independence Day. And that's why it's so important to us as a community. And I do believe that it is something that we should celebrate and we should shed more light on, not just in the black communities, in the white communities, in the Hispanic and Latin communities, in every community, because all of our stories matter. And I will leave it there. Remember that you too are Black History. Thank you for listening, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.